Have you ever seen a ghost? I know many people who swear up and down that they have seen human-like apparitions, transparent, basically ghosts. Uh, I think I once saw one when I was a kid. I, I guess I was around 8, 9, 10 years old. And our neighbor, this nice old lady, she died right next door. And uh, <clears throat> basically, like the next day, I was at home alone. My mom was out of the grocery store. And uh, there was knocking on the door. And at that time, I was shy. Kind of peeked around the corner to see through the glass in the door. And it was the neighbor. It was the dead neighbor. I mean, it looked just like her. I freaked out. So I drove my head back. And then... Um, then I've waited a few seconds, and I went, and I looked, and there was no one there. I opened the door. I walked out. No one on the street anywhere. It could have just been a coincidence, but I think I may have seen a ghost. That's my memory, at least. I know memories can be faulty, but if you've ever seen a ghost, have you ever considered trying to record one on video or audio? Keep that in mind. Welcome to Fangs and Folklore. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster, paranormal, and horror. I'm a horror writer from the swamps of haunted Louisiana, and I welcome you to my terrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story by Matthew Miller. It's part one in the Gravedigger series. The Gravediggers are a failing punk rock band with no musical talent whatsoever, who keep crossing paths with all sorts of monsters like vampires and so forth. Uh, it's a whole series, terrifying, it's horror comedy, it's super hilarious also, so check those out. All right, so here we are, Fangs and Folklore Studio, in the basement of the uh, abandoned castle in the Haunted Forest. You might think something's different this time. Why, yes, the lights are on to this time. It's because I need to show you some things today, some objects. And if you had the usual darkness, you might not be able to see them well. So this is an unusual episode with the lights on. <clears throat> so this is what I look like in, under light. Oh, God, I know, it's horrifying. All right, we have some great news for Fangs and Folklore. Thanks to a few generous contributors, we've been able to get some ghost hunting equipment. That's right, the fangs and folklore, we're going ghost hunting. So all you fans, friends, fiends, foes of fangs and folklore, we're, going, we're opening up the ghost hunting division of fangs and folklore. Very exciting. It's really happening. So I have, have it all set up. Friday the 13th, next week, already an unlucky day, right, supposedly, I will be going <clears throat> with my assistant to the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. St. Francisville is a beautiful little town, by the way, but it has the Myrtles Plantation, for sure the most haunted uh, place in Louisiana, and some say the most haunted building in the U.S., full of a history of deaths and tragedies, and of course, like all plantations, uh, slaves, so a lot of human misery and suffering occurred there, and all sorts of ghosts are seen there, like all the time. In fact, there's tons of videos on YouTube about people's uh, uh, ghost hunting there also. There's also a famous mirror that, that there's a handprint or something that never rubs off and people have seen faces in the mirror. So anyway, I'll be taking tons of photos of those too. So I wanted to use this episode of the show to talk about various ghost hunting equipment and my own take on these equipment, uh, ghost hunting equipment and the theories behind ghost hunting. So paranormal investigation. Ghost hunting, a lot of people don't like it. They say it doesn't sound professional or scientific enough, but hey, that's what we're really doing, right? Now, I'm going to begin with the admission that paranormal investigation is not truly scientific. It can't be. <laughs> Why not? First, it's not repeatable in, a, in an empirical sense. So it's not like we're creating ghosts in a laboratory over and over under the same conditions, right? Instead, we're basically observing without repetition. We're observing. So it's not uh, empirical in that sense. Second, it's non-falsifiable. In order for something to be truly scientifically sound, a hypothesis, it has to be able to be argued against, able to be disproven, or else it's pointless. Um, 
you have to set up an experiment to falsify the hypothesis. Let's say, for an example, I have this ridiculous hypothesis that water is flammable, okay? That you can light this plain, pure water on fire with a match. Okay, well, you might say that's crazy. Okay, I'd say, well, prove me wrong. All right, here's a match, light it, here's some water. Tss, look, it didn't catch on fire. I've falsified that claim. In order for something to be, you know, you do it over and over in a controlled environment. Yep, sure enough, water is not flammable. In fact, the opposite. And so uh, that's falsifiable. If something's not falsifiable, then there's no way to prove it or disprove it. If I say, hey, you don't know it, but right now on the roof of my apartment, there are little green men from Mars, and I leave it at that, you, the viewer, can't possibly prove or disprove that. You're not even here, right? So you can make all the claims you want, but unless they're provable and are falsifiable as well, they're not scientific. You can't falsify ghosts because we don't even know for sure what they are. Uh, how would you go about proving that something you see is not really the spirit of a dead human? How could you possibly prove that? At this stage in the research, it's impossible. Third, we don't even know how our instruments will really work. And I, what I mean is we do know the mechanics of our, of our instruments of ghost hunting, like mechanically, electronically, how they work. But we don't know for sure if they interact with spirits and how they do. We have theories. For example, does electromagnetic energy really allow spirits the power to communicate with us? It's a theory, sure. Seems possible, sure, but we, we can't prove that in an empirical sense. So rather than call paranormal investigation scientific, I feel more comfortable calling it maybe observational research. And I think it's important to be honest and open and upfront about that. To me, it's like maybe a psychologist observing, say, children in a psychology lab. It's not truly scientific, but it is observational research. It's still research. It's, it's kind of parascientific, it's still objective, but it's not truly empirical. Fourth, there can't be a control group. So a control group, let's say you're, you're producing a medicine, you give uh, one group the medicine, you give another group pills that are just sugar pills, but they look just like the medicine, neither one knows who's getting what, then you can truly say the medicine had an effect on this group compared to those who did not take it. You can't really have that kind of variable, the hypothetical variable, um, of a control group in a ghost hunt. How would you possibly do that? Okay, you ghosts, get over here, and you, you know, no such thing. Uh, okay, so it's basically impossible. So instead of scientific, maybe it's not scientific or not empirical, I would use that word. It's observational research. It's valid. It's as objective as it can be. It's still a study, but it's not empirical. Always begin as a skeptic. It is the most intellectually honest and healthiest way to approach anything. Uh, and by skeptic, I don't mean a doubter, I mean someone who requires evidence for things. Extraordinary claims require really good evidence, don't they? Just like the claim that, say, God exists, or just like the claim that, you know, whatever, that ghosts exist. All it means to be a skeptic is that you demand, demand real evidence for real claims. It's healthy. So we need to be skeptics, not doubters necessarily. Don't go in as a doubter, but go in as a skeptic. Let me give you my own personal ghost philosophy. First thing, I want to keep an open mind. I allow for the possibility that there are things in the universe that, uh, that are beyond our current understanding. In fact, I think it would be insane not to accept that. One example, an example we know of is the invisible light spectrum. Our eyes can only see a portion of the entire spectrum of light, but we've been able to measure other parts that we can't see that are invisible to us. So just because I don't see an infrared doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It exists. Um, so about ghosts, I can't say 100% yes or no. I can allow for the possibility. Personally, my opinion, I do believe in them. But from an objective point of view, you know, I can't prove it in a scientific sense. What are ghosts? Traditionally, they're believed to be the spirits of dead human beings. Uh, the reason for this normally is that they look like human beings, right? You see a, 
a figure dressed in a, often in old time clothes, clothes from a previous historical era and, era, and they're walking around and they're acting like a human, but you can see right through them or they walk through a wall or something like this. If they are the spirits of the dead, that's a pretty strong implication that there is indeed life after death. And I think that's one of the huge draws of paranormal research. Don't you want to know for sure what happens when you die? Now, the pure empiricist would say nothing. You die, you cease to exist. All right, maybe. Uh, what if there's more? I'd like to know. Because that would change how we view life and everything else, I think, on a fundamental level. It would give a new meaning to life and death. I think that if ghosts exist, it's reasonable to believe that they are human spirits of, you know, of dead humans. Energy, something of dead humans. Energy cannot cease to exist, so it's at least a possibility. The one entity I don't believe is a spirit of a dead human is a poltergeist. I've done previous episodes on that. I think poltergeists are actually evil spirits slash demons pretending to be ghosts. Uh, I have several uh, reasons for that. So if you're interested, uh, go look at the past episodes of Fangs and Folklore for poltergeist cases. So if ghosts exist and they are the energy or spirits of dead people, question is whether they can communicate. Okay, great, they're there, let's say, let's, let's, if we believe they're there, but how are they communicating? How are they interacting? Are they appearing before us to our eyes? Are they moving something? Are they using our instruments to communicate? Well, let's talk about those instruments, some tools. So I've managed to obtain some ghost hunting equipment I'm going to show you from Ghost Stop, which is a company I first met uh, at Scarefest that I've gone to every year to sell my books. It's a horror convention in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. It's fantastic. And they were there, and I got interested, so I did some research on them. They make their own equipment. They make it because they are paranormal investigators, and they make this really nice, high-quality equipment that's not too expensive, and they manufacture it themselves. And it's, it's got all the settings and all the things that you need in the field. It's very custom-made for ghost hunting, not just general stuff. And they're a great company. Okay, let's start with the good old camera. I think cameras are very reliable as long as they are of a decent quality, right? Uh, the camera I'm going to use as the main camera on this ghost hunt, as the, as the light time camera, is the iPhone 13 Pro, which I'm recording this podcast on. It is a great camera. It takes superior images. It also takes great photos in dark conditions and video. Boy, the video is great. You can get 4K, 60 frames per second, uh, professional quality video. By the way, if you hear a noise, I was able to install air conditioning in the abandoned castle in the haunted forest, and it was not easy. So now we have air conditioning, and I forgot to turn it off, but it's going to go off automatically in a moment. So sorry about that background noise. It's not a ghost. It's the castle air conditioning, new technology to make the whole castle cool because it's hot here in Louisiana. All right, cameras. We need to be careful. With low-light pics, the shutter, whether it's a physical shutter or a digital one, uh, exposure to a sensor, with low-light pics, the shutter is open longer, a longer exposure. And so if a person, a normal human, moves in front of the camera during a long exposure, you'll often get a ghostly figure or a shadowy figure. In other words, cameras are only reliable if the shots are taken correctly, right? Uh, also have another camera I'm going to show you from Ghost Stop. This, it looks small, but this is an amazing little thing, okay? Basically, I'm going to turn it on, and this, they, gave, they came with this tough, waterproof, tough casing that you can take on and off. So I'm going to turn it on. Basically, it takes photo, uh, photographs and video, 4K, 30 frames per second, in the um, infrared and ultraviolet light spectrums, as well as regular light. So you can see in the dark in this. It can be a pitch black room, but you can still see everything looking through the viewfinder. Now, it doesn't look like that now because the lights are on, obviously. And I'm not going to go turn them all off. That would be just a waste of time. But yeah, it's a, it's a nifty little thing. It's small. 
It's not fancy, but it's got some great technology. And so with it comes this, which is um, an infrared and ultraviolet light source. And it clamps right on. You have to, well, you have to take this case off, but it clamps right on with magnets. You can add, you know, four if you want, however many you want. And uh, basically what this does is produce light. So if I turn it on, all right. So the back here, you have power button, you have the intensity of the light, you have infrared, ultraviolet, on, off, on, off. You can have them both on at the same time. Then it has visible spectrums of light. So I turn it on. Right now, infrared is on. You can't really, maybe it looks a little red, do you? You can't see it. Ultraviolet, it's gonna look, you're gonna see that, right? Ultraviolet. And then uh, it has a full spectrum of different colors of visible light, right? For whatever, I'm not sure how to quote yet to quite use that, but that's kind of neat that it has that. So this is going to be attached up two of them. One of them, the magnets were inserted backwards, so they sent me replacement for free. They're, they're great customer service. So I'm going to attach them to different things, and that way you can see in the dark. It's brilliant. So for light, for daytime pictures, I'm going to take it with the iPhone. I'm going to use this, the Phasm camera, and it's brand new. It's an updated model uh, for the for the night shots because you can see in the dark. All right. So cameras. Um, why does it matter? Why do ghosts appear in the dark? <laughs> Skeptics would say, or doubters might say, well, because in the dark we think we see things, but we're not really seeing them. We're not really sure. Darkness does seem to produce more ghosts than daylight. One theory is that they're transparent, so you just can't see them as well in the day. Mm, the sun makes it harder to see lighter things. Another theory is that ghosts, being spirits or energy, exist on different frequencies of energy, and those frequencies happen to be best viewed under certain uh, parts of the visual, uh, the light spectrum, you know, and so they happen to be the ones that our eyes don't see, something like this. They themselves, if ghosts are real, then they are in a different frequency than we are. All right, next, the EVP recorder. EVP stands for electro, uh, electronic voice phenomena, and I did a whole episode on that as well. This, this one's actually not uh, custom made by Ghost Stop, but it's, it's a good one. It has these uh, microphones and 360, so it's a nice little model, and I'm still learning how to use it. It's actually got a lot of complicated software but that I don't really need for my purposes. Basically, EVP, okay, so it's, that's what it looks like. There's a lot of different kinds of EVP recorders. Right? This is just an audio recorder, but you know, it's a good one, a decent one. All right, so the EVP, is, uh, it's used to ask questions aloud and then just wait in quiet to allow a spirit to respond. Sometimes audible responses do occur, you hear an answer, but much more frequently you hear nothing, and then when you go back and review it, you hear kind of whispers on the, uh, on the audio. These are often intelligent whispers that answer questions you ask, and they're, they're clear. Now I, uh, you know, so you heard silence with your ears. Now, I think high quality EVPs are quite convincing, and they're quite fascinating to me. Uh, the idea is that somehow the electric device allows ghosts the energy or the format to communicate. The best EVPs, like I said, are whispers, which seems to imply that if they are ghosts, it's difficult for them to communicate with us. With electronic boosting, however that works, the best they can do is a whisper. Um, maybe the audio device can amplify their voice? I don't know. No one knows. Maybe you see electromagnetic, electromagnetic field or something else, but it seems to work both on analog and digital recorders as well. And you know, if you're just hearing something like, ah, you know, <laughs> this is something meaningless, we try not to read into it. But if you hear, if you ask like, hey, what's my name? And you hear a clear, your name is Matt Miller. You know, that's kind of something you want to investigate, right? This is kind of interesting there. A cousin to the EVP recorder is what's known as the spirit box. It used to be called Frank's box. This um, 
device uh, is basically a radio frequency scanner. Okay, and you might think, what in the world? Right, so basically the way it works, and I'm still learning how some of this stuff works, so bear with me here. And uh, basically what it does is it scans radio stations. All right, so it has a little voice. All right. Notice it's just scanning through radio stations. You can control the speed with this thing, and I'm, I'm well, I'm still learning there. That make it go faster through the stations, or slower. Go frontwards and backwards. You can do AM or FM. So that's see, that's oh, there, this mic. That's what it's doing. Now all you hear is white noise right now. All right. So the question is. How does this work, and what's the what's the idea behind this? All right, so obviously radio stations have music and DJs voices. So if you're listening to one radio station and a voice says something, you're gonna think, okay, that's the DJ. Sure, this scans quickly through all the radio stations. The idea is that if you hear an intelligent response or a voice over dozens of radio stations, then it's not just the DJ's voices. The, the chances of them all uh, one little snippet of each matching up to make a sentence is infinitesimally small. Um, basically, the idea here is that um, you ask questions, you receive an intelligent response or hear clear words, then they can't be coming from the radio stations because it skims them so fast. And even if you put it backwards, it makes it even more likely, unlikely. So it's probably uh, something else. The theory here, again, is that ghosts can use the energy and the background white noise to manifest words, whether it's the electromagnetic energy, the sound waves themselves. Again, that's, those are hypotheses, just a guess. I think intelligent responses on the spirit box are fairly convincing because, like I said, you know, again, if I say, what's my name, and you hear, your name is Matt Miller, you know, across 50 radio stations, how else would that occur? The DJs would all have to be each You see, you'd have to have a snippet of each, and that's just not going to happen in reality. Millions and billions to one chance. So, you know, if you hear it, um, it's something. It's, it's unusual. Now, what we have to be careful of with these, with the EVP and the spirit box, is pareidolia. Okay, so our brains are pattern-recognizing machines. It's an evolutionary thing, I think, so that, you know, you're being chased by a lion. You need to recognize the lion for, to know to run from the lion. So if something even looks like a lion, you look at it, you know, imagine if you're being hunted, you need to see patterns in nature. So it's like looking in the clouds and saying, hey, that cloud looks like a dog. It's not really designed as a dog. It's just our brain, pareidolia, recognizing these patterns. So it's very common to hear on these EVPs what sound, might sound like a cough, like, uh, and didn't you hear haunted? Uh, not really, but now, now that you mention it, when I listen again, now it's going to sound like that to me because my brain has clicked onto that pattern. So we have to be really careful here about, against pareidolia. Very, very careful. It has to be clearly intelligent responses um, to something you ask or something like that, something related to where you are. Now, the ever-controversial EMF meter, electromagnetic frequency, right? Turn it on, it records electromagnetic frequency. The higher the, the strength, I guess, frequency, the more the lights go that way, from green to red. I don't put much stock in these, okay? Let me tell you why. <laughs> Everything has an electromagnetic field around it. Now the spirit here, the, sorry, the theory is that spirits, ghosts might use this electromagnetic energy to do things. Uh, and so if you get a huge spike in electromagnetic energy, it means there's a spirit present. Well, everything has electromagnetic energy, wood, rocks, human bodies, everything. And think about a modern 
building, you have electri electricity, you have telephone lines and, and signals, and you have uh, you know uh, heating and air conditioning. You have so many things that are electric or electronic. There's going to be EMF spikes everywhere all the time. It's perfectly natural and normal. Uh, so the theory is sound that if ghosts can use electromagnetic energy, but I mean, <laughs> everything gives off EM energy. You never can really know what you're detecting. Even human body, like I said, even the device itself is measuring its own energy. It's perfectly normal and natural. So I think a spike in EMF means nothing. I think it's completely worthless in ghost hunting. It could happen with or without ghosts. I guess if you had like, if it spiked at the same time that something on the wall moved every single time, that might be a little, little bit better evidence, but I don't put much value in the EMF meter, which is why I chose kind of a cheap one. No need to go overboard on that. It's a basic one. You know, um, no, everything gives off EMF. I don't think that's real. Now, this little thing here is called an envoy. You might have heard of the obelisk if you watch ghost hunting shows. It's kind of the same idea, but consider it a digital Ouija board. That's basically what it is. Now, the way that the obelisk works, the, 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 the standard one, is that it has a set of vocabulary and it interprets inputs to be certain words. But this one's a lot better. Okay, so this one actually, if I can figure it out, okay. It's gonna boot up there, and this is made by Ghost Stop. It's their own design. Okay, you can choose, all right, yes, no. All right, yes, no. Uh, I think the better one is the alphabet. Um, I get that. You have numbers, you have emojis. Are you happy, ghost? You have magnetic temperature and stuff. And then if I can find the alphabet one, here, alphabet, okay. The idea here is that an entity can tap. How's this work here? I'm still playing around with it, so forgive me. Oh, the sensitivity's not up. You can just select the sensitivity of tap or temperature or electromagnetic frequency. You select the sensitivity. And basically, in other words, if the, uh, if the, there, in A, I guess I tapped it. Okay, so the idea here is that through tapping it or through temperature or electromagnetic energy, a spirit can choose a letter as it scans through the alphabet and spell something out. You can choose how fast it scans through the things, I think. Yeah, it can go really fast or really slow, all right? And basically, again, the idea here is that uh, a spirit, presumably, can choose a letter, one letter at a time, through a burst of energy or something, or tap even, spell out a word. Now, you might think, boy, that's a, that's a stretch, huh? Uh, I admit, yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's kind of like a digital Ouija board. I would think on this, all right, if you're getting, if you're getting, if you're spelling out words, okay, what is my name? And it spells out Matthew Miller. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, what we have to be careful of, again, is that it doesn't spell something like M-P-Q-R. Say M, oh, it means Matt. It really means Matt. That's pareidolia. With the Ouija board, the physical one, there's always the possibility that the people touching the planchette are moving it. And really, that's how it works. Uh, the, the, who made that? Milton Bradley? That's how they wanted it to work, for people to get nervous and without realizing it, subconsciously move the, the letter plank, planchette. Sorry. This is a digital, electronic, and it doesn't depend on the input from the user. So it's much more objective. Okay, So that's why the Envoy is better. Uh, okay, so moving right along. Uh, we have a couple more things. Um, we have a good old thermometer, okay? Good old thermometer. Now, these days we use digital thermometers, right? All right, you turn this baby on. You get a temperature. It has a laser. So if I want to see what, what temperature is that sheet 
I'm sorry, that, that brick wall with stains on it. 72 degrees Fahrenheit, cooler than, the, than, than me. You go pointed at things, you hit the trigger, it tells you the temperature of what the laser is on. Okay, and it does this through a temperature sensor right here. Pretty brilliant, really. Um, and, you know, basically, um, forgive tonight the kind of the cuts in the video. Some of this stuff I'm still learning, so I don't know how to turn it off like this one. Uh, I'm not sure how to turn it off. So anyway, that's why I'm cutting the video. Because I don't want you to sit there and watch me for several seconds uh -huh, like a dummy. So, all right. So, yeah, uh, uh, these uh, thermometers. The idea here is that if ghosts indeed use latent energy in the room to manifest or to communicate, then that takes energy from the room, which will naturally make the room cooler. All right, it turns off by itself. Good, just leave it there. Whew. All right, so it makes the room cooler. So throughout human history, uh, when people, you know, throughout ghost lore in human history, cold spots have always been associated with ghosts. And I don't mean just like a cool spot. I mean like free, like, you know, it goes from 80 degrees to 20 degrees in one second. The problem, of course, is that temperature fluctuates normally, doesn't it? And especially old houses and buildings, which tend to be ones we investigate, have drafts, you know, cold spots, cracks in the walls. The only thing, to me, the only kind of convincing evidence from a thermometer would be if there's a huge, drastic, sudden temperature drop in one spot, and especially if it coincides with something like a painting falling off the wall, right? 80 to 20 degrees or something ridiculous like that. Traditionally, that's associated with a ghost, all right? Now... Um, thermal cameras, uh, I don't have this one yet, um, but hopefully we can get one of these soon. Thermal cameras, you look through them and you see everything that you'd normally see, but it's mapped out by temperature. Blue, cold, red, hot, and everything in between. The warmer, the, the warmer, the redder it gets, and vice versa. So you see a room, but you see the temperature of objects. You still see the shape of the objects, but instead of visual, you're seeing temperature. So you might see a human being shape with red, that's your friend, right? You see a human being, human being walking by in bl bright blue and there's no one there. Okay, that means that something just walked by that's colder than the room around it. So these can be useful, I think, um, uh, thermal cameras, but they, they can tend to be expensive. But they can be useful. Um, uh, electri electricians use them all the time, by the way, to see which wires are hot. Um, so, yeah, so we have that uh, idea. Okay, another thing we have, the last thing, I believe, is this and I'm not going to turn it on because it's not going to work if I just move it around like that it's a, a laser grid okay it produces a laser grid on a wall the idea that if something passes between this and the grid you'll see it it'll break the the laser you'll see a spot this one's kind of cool because it's not just your standard one what it does here on this screen is going to document the shape so if I move my hand like this it's going to have a, like a little hand moving the movement the temperature of, of something between this and the wall, okay, between the sensor and the wall. So that's really cool. You can set the sensitivity and so forth. Again, the idea that if something blocks the sensor, you're going to see not only the lasers on the wall turn dark, but this screen is going to record it. So this you want to have a camera on at all times because it doesn't have an internal memory. So what you want to do is be filming that, set it up, just leave it, let it go all night. And a lot of these all have good batteries, but they also can be plugged into a wall socket. All right, so. Uh, and then one more thing, this little gadget here for when it's dark and you want to see, you know, one of the headlamps, right? And it works pretty well, actually. Uh, it has different settings and different brightnesses and all that, you know. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's cool if you, you know, if I'm out the Myrtle Plantation, you're out on the grounds at night, let's say, and you can't see because it's dark. And you don't want to trip over a stump and 
bash your head in, so you use that. Okay, That is our equipment. Again, thank you so much to the generous donors, and they don't want their names mentioned. If you do want your name mentioned, let me know. Contact me the way you normally do, and I will mention your name as a sponsor. And I'm also going to have some perks uh, for people who cont contributed. I consider them in the fan club, the Fangs and Folklore fan club. They're going to get some exclusive content and all sorts of cool stuff. If you would like to become a member of that fan club, uh, I'm going to post my PayPal address uh, here. And uh, you can always just send me send a contribution. And will it tell me if you want your name mentioned as a sponsor. And you will get into the fan club any amount, get special exclusive perks and so forth. All right, let's talk about positive evidence. What do I personally accept as, as evidence? Again, can't prove anything either, either way empirically, but if you get a clear photo or video that's a human apparition and no one's there when you took it, that's pretty good evidence. That's pretty strong evidence. Careful of pareidolia. I also consider clear, intelligent words and responses as EVPs or on the ghost box as compelling evidence. Cold spots carry less weight for me unless it's instant and drastic change if it coincides with something else happening. Objects moving by themselves, that's pretty good evidence, isn't it? So, you know, painting flies across the room for no, no one touched it. That's pretty, pretty amazing. But you have to be careful that it wasn't like an off-balance object, uh, uh, a door that naturally shuts when you open it because it's off-balance on the hinges, the wind uh, in an old drafty building, a minor earthquake. A lot of places around the world have these minor uh, earthquakes that you don't always just feel, but they're there. And if objects, you know, uh, unstable to begin with, a little bit of wind, a little bit of shaking might knock it over. Uh, we might inadvertently knock it over and not realize it when we're moving, something like that. If an object is stable and strongly attached to something and it flies across the room, I'm going to count that as, as <laughs> grade A evidence. Great evidence. Again, I don't consider changes in electromagnetic uh, energy to be good evidence. I think it's possible ghosts use that energy. The problem, like I said, is that everything has an electromagnetic field. Everything. So outside of a scientific lab, you know, set up to block EMF from everything else, there's really no way that's going to work. What about orbs? If you're not familiar, if you watch the ghost hunting videos, but if you don't know, then orbs are these little white dots that appear sometimes floating in video on cameras. And some people think they're evidence of spirits, that that's what spirits look like in their non-apparitional form. Uh, but I don't count these as, as evidence at all. Dust, insects, lens anomalies, light flares, there are many perfectly natural explanations for orbs. Uh, to say that they're ghosts is really a long stretch. These things occur all the time on normal cameras, and they're always dust. Dust is a big one. Uh, and then just anything, light flares, and there's a hundred different reasons. 100% natural orbs. Um, the only way I could see these is some kind of evidence. If you see an orb and you say, okay, if you're a ghost, touch the left wall three times, and it goes, boop, 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 now touch the top wall, boop, boop, now spell out my name, you know, something like that. That never happens. There's always just something floating around. They're not ghosts. Um, any anomaly that seems impossible by the laws of nature can be examined as evidence, of course. You leave a room, no one's there, you come back, and there's writing on the wall. Okay, there could be someone could be tricking you. There's different ways that could happen, but it's definitely worth ex examining. Um, perfectly edible food rots away in seconds. This has been documented before too. Let's take a look. That's abnormal. People flying around, things like that. Anything that doesn't happen normally, naturally, is worthy of investigation. Remember in the movie Poltergeist, which I consider one of the top horror movies of all time, the original Poltergeist, uh, that scene where the mother, the daughter's sitting on the table in the kitchen or the counter, the mother turns to do something, and when she turns around, all the chairs are stacked up on top of the table. 
If that happened in real life, that's evidence right there. By the way, they filmed that in one take. While she was looking down, the, the set people actually took the chairs quickly and constructed them on the table. That's so cool. So yeah, evidence levels. Um, that's Ghost Hunting 101 for you. So I Friday the 13th, my assistant and I are going to the Myrtle's Plantation. We got a room and everything. It's the, well, I'm not gonna tell you what room it is because I don't wanna be stalked or <laughs> harassed, but we got a room and it's a haunted room. It's one of the rooms where many, many things of apparitions have occurred. This place is full of ghosts to this plantation, ghosts everywhere. And we're hoping that we'll get some evidence. And I'm gonna be honest with you, if we don't, I'll let you know. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I won't fake things for you. I'm not gonna just uh, force something either. If we do, we do, if we don't, we don't. Uh, I wanna wish you a little bit late, but a scary new year. 2022 is over. It was one hell of a tough year for me for different reasons, but I hope it was good for you. And I think 2023 brings promise and hope. If you like the Chinese Zodiac, it's the year of the rabbit, by the way. Finally, um, the studio here in the basement of the abandoned castle in the middle of the haunted forest, I'm pretty sure it's haunted by a friendly ghost. We have a friendly little Casper here. I've tried to make contact. I'll try one last time for 2022. Friendly ghost, if you're here, give us a sign of your presence. Give us a friendly sign of your friendly presence. Uh, maybe it's not so friendly. Crap, I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, so yeah, next episode is gonna be 13th, The Ghost Hunt. Uh, as always, sleep well if you can. Uh -huh.